let's talk to our good friend, longtime NBA veteran, uh, great college career as well, and one of our favorites, one of my favorites, no question. Old Apollonis in the house. Are you down with OP? Yeah, you know me. You got that right. <laughs> you got your theme song here, man, as you know. Yes, sir. We're rocking you in stereo. We can do that all day, man. You know? <laughs> OP, what's up, brother? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. All right. So what do you want to talk about first, man? You you want to talk about the final four or you want to talk about the 17 year drought is over <laughs> with those Sacramento Kings. <laughs> uh, you knew I'm exactly what I was talking about, too. You knew exactly what I was talking about. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that one. I mean, that's a long time coming for the Kings. Man. It's pretty cool, though, seeing that. It is. It is. And, you know, for those that, you know, remember those days and, like, for you that played in those days, uh, great fan base uh, at the old Arco Arena. Uh, Kings teams haven't been relevant going back, you know, until the early 2000s. And, you know, a lot of people still talk about uh, they feel they got the real job, you know, with the Lakers and and the Kings, you know, during that time, early 2000s, late 90s and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it, it's been a long time, man, where this team has been good, a long time since they've been relevant. I know people in Sacramento are uh, really joyous right now uh, as they clinch a playoff spot last night, 17 years since they've been into the postseason, and that is the longest drought in NBA history. Tell me, OP, how how can anyone these days go 17 years without that? With the way the draft is set up, with you know the way the NBA is really with parity. I mean, we've seen teams like you know the Grizzlies, and uh, you know, I mean, heck, the Warriors were garbage. You know, back when 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 you were playing for a good part, and you know, you see them turn it around. The Cavaliers, I mean, they're all, you know Clippers, all those teams like were dormant, but the Kings have the longest drought of anybody and now it's over yeah it is and you know a couple of things you know and i do have to go back what you said about the fan base it might be arguably one of the best fan bases of any any sport any league and you know specifically i remember you know how people used to say well the Sacramento fan base you know they only have basketball but that's not necessarily true they were really loyal and dedicated fans and that's why I think they supported the team. You know, for for a while, they had the longest streak in the NBA of sellouts. Right. And so it was one of those situations where, you know, the product wasn't great, and yet they were still supporting it. And so they've been loyal. And, you know, and then I remember when we made the playoffs, you know, and got the first win in Sacramento, you know, which was amazing in itself. I remember that night. I, I damn near passed out in warm-ups <laughs> because the energy was so amazing. I literally, it was yeah. so intense. It was like I almost literally passed out. I had to go sit down for a minute. And so, and then the years with Chris Weber and Vlade and those guys, you know, they had a great run. Probably should have made the finals once or twice. Uh, we won't talk about that. <laughs> but, um, right. you know, and then there was a drought. And so now it brings me to why. And I, I think it was mismanagement. 
most of the parts, it was mismanagement. And I'm not trying to, you know, knock on general managers and how they ran the team, but, you know, they did do a poor job of getting the right players. You know, the, the Kings missed out on a lot of great players. <laughs> you know, if you go back in the draft and see what Sacramento selected and see who was in the draft, you'll be shocked. <laughs> and so to me, that was a big part of it, but also the coaching, you know, when Mike Brown came to this team, I specifically remember talking to some friends of mine saying, okay, you guys now are going to do all right. Because Mike Brown brought a calmness to them. He's won championships. He's he's had a great player that he had to coach, so he knows about that ego. And he's with some other great players in 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 Oakland who may not have as big a ego. Well, actually, we all e- have egos, but maybe not as egotistical as some others. Yet he he had a, a a worksheet to go by, you know, on how to deal with certain people. But he's a teacher, and so when he came in there, he started teaching these guys how to be professional, how to win, and that's a big difference. Most coaches that they've had over the years, they came in, well, it's my way, it's this way, do this, do that. No one was teaching these guys because you got to remember, your draft picks are always going to be young guys. Somebody has to teach them on how to handle themselves. And it wasn't until he came this year that I think the teaching started and guys bought into it and look at the results. And I I mean, they've had, you know, they finalized it yesterday, but they were in the playoffs a couple weeks ago. (laughs) Right, right. No question. Uh, You talk about the miss hires they've had from a coaching standpoint. You talk about the the misses on the draft. I mean, you're right. It it all starts at the front office. I don't think there is any question uh, about that. And when you, you know, look at some of the names for, you know, uh, Kings coaches. I mean, in, in let's th- t- start with Luke Walton. I, I never understood, uh, that hire. Dave Yeager. I mean, Alvin Gentry, nice guy and stuff like that. Tyrone Corbin, uh, George Carl, Carl, they got him, you know, you know, later on in, in his career. I thought Michael Malone did a pretty good job. And, you know, there are a lot of people thought, well, why don't you stick with this guy? And then he went over to Denver and has, uh, done fantastic. But Paul Westfall, Keith Smart, Kenny Nat, I mean, Reggie Theus, uh, Eric Musselman. I mean, all of those guys came after Rick Adelman when, you know, Adelman won, but, you know, it wasn't enough or they kind of felt yeah. like, well, you know, we, we got so far with Adelman and then, you know, he really just wasn't like a, a fiery type of guy. Well, sometimes you got to be careful, you know, of, of what you wish for. And they've gone through what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve coaches since then during that drought that we're talking about a 17 years <laughs> missing the playoffs. Right? That tells you everything you need to know right there. Hey. 12 coaches in 16 years. Yeah. That's absurd. Yes. Yes. And That's absurd. You cannot be good at at that kind of rate. That's, that's an impossibility. And we throw ownership in there as well, too. To yeah. You know, ownership is, you know, uh, ha- hasn't been great. But over the last few years, we'll give them credit. They, you know, drafting guys like Keegan Murray and then, you know, DeAndre Fox. I mean, these guys, you know, uh, uh, panned out, you know. I mean, Buddy Heald. Well, they brought in some guys now that actually are general managers, not friends of friends. Oh, not people I owe something to. Mm -hmm. 
it's been actual guys that this is what they do. And that's why I would say, I don't care if the guy is black, blue, pink, purple. I don't give a damn. If he can do the job, he should get the job. You know, don't hire because of nepotism. Don't hire because, oh, this is my buddy. And, oh, we golfed together a, a few years. No. Get the person that's going to do the job for your for your organization, period. Right. Former King Olden Polonese uh, joins us talking about the Sacramento Kings making the playoffs first time in the last 17 years. And you talk about the drafts. Uh, there's several guys, like you said in the beginning of this, that they could have had. How about this one? Luka Donich. You yeah, could Luka have Donchett. had Luka. Think about that. Easy. That's my number one. Easy. Right? 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 And here's what gets me about this, OP. As you know, all right, the Kings really kind of hit on that European market early on with Peja Stoyakovich, Nidu Turkoglu. I mean, right? Rob yeah. We were like, they were at the forefront. Yes. So you kind of like thought, oh, my God, you should have an inch. Listen, I knew... And I, I mean, I do this for a living. It's like I do scouting and all that, but I do look back because I played in Italy. So I, I, you know, since the European market has opened up so much, I will, you know, I stay in tune with what's going on. Just like Porzingis and all those guys. It's like, um, what's my man's name? I used to call him Super Mario, Mario Hazonia. It's like, so it's like, there's been guys like a guy like that. Mario Hazonia should have gone, should have been a, a star. But he went to a bad team, a bad situation. But I remember when Luca was coming up, I was like, oh, my goodness. If somebody had the tenacity and the cojones to draft this kid, he should be number one. He should be the number one pick. Kings had an opportunity. Pass on them. And which brings me to this, all right? Biggest disappointment this year is it the Mavs with despite having Luca and of course you know you know you bring in the cancer with that so I think that's one of the reasons or the Lakers who's Stop. The, who's the biggest disappointment Stop. the biggest disappointment right now is the Dallas Mavericks yeah. but it's not, it, they were being they were being disappointing before uh, Kyrie got there yeah so let's get that it's true straight. it's true you're and right so so. That component, Kyrie did not ask to be traded to Dallas. He got traded because the Nets were being petty. Because they had a better deal with the L.A. Lakers, and they chose not to do it because it would have, you know, it would have been rewarding Kyrie. And they chose not to reward Kyrie rather than, we got to send your butt somewhere we know you don't want to go to. And so that's, that's, let's call the spade a spade. But at the end of the day, this team is beyond Kyrie. I mean, Luca has to change his attitude and the way he plays his game. He he cries too much. You cannot be a star like that and you cry on every single call. Oh, so every little so, thing. So you're telling me like you got, got to find. You tell me you got Americanized is what you're saying. He got way Americanized, <laughs> right? Because I I mean. There's a bunch of European players. They don't act like this. This dude is being childish right now. Like the money sign after the call, after the game, you know, insinuating the referees on the take. Whether they are or not, you are on a different level as a, as a face of the NBA. You cannot make those kind of gestures. Yep. You know, you got to leave that to guys that are underlings or at the bottom of the belt. Right. Okay? <laughs> You're above that. <laughs> you should be above that.
as again as a face of 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 the league as one of the faces and so to me he's really rubbing so many people the wrong way whether it's management his teammates his coach already called him out it's just it's a bad look for him and i think it trickles down to everybody else because now you put the coach in a bad situation because and general managers, because it's like, okay, how do we deal with it? Do we let them keep getting away with it? Well, if Luca gets away with it, then Kyrie can get away with it. Then Jabelle McGee can get away with it. Then um, Hardaway Jr. can get Everybody can get away with it. Hmm. Well, Polonese uh, joins us. Final four, my friend. Uh, how excited are you for this final four? A number nine seed, two number fives, and a four here. It's uh, probably not what we expected, but Again, the NCAA tournament uh, is exciting. It is unpredictable. This is the most shocking, the most surprising uh, Final Four we've probably seen ever. But shouldn't be too much of a surprise, right, with the transfer portal. And you and I have talked about this so many times before. Older teams, uh, that extra year of eligibility because of COVID. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so original question. How are you, you liking this? I'm Saturday? loving it. CC, I am loving it. I'm loving it for this reason only. It's so unpredictable. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to see these guys. I don't want to see the Dukes and the Kentuckys. I don't care about that. Because they're basically buying championships in a way. You know, because they're blue bloods and all that. So it's like, okay, we got to get all the top players to come to Duke and get Carolina. And then, okay, now, no. I like these kids, the ones with the chips on their shoulders who got denied and rejected by the blue bloods. I want, I love this aspect of it. And I tell people all the time, the NCAA tournament, March Madness in particular, will never go anywhere. You know, whether you have one and done, it doesn't matter because this thing is so ingrained in, in us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who the teams are at the end. It's going to be a good game. You know, we're going to have blowouts throughout the tournament. It's fine. We, and the funny thing about it, I, don't, I think we only had like maybe two or three blowouts. There wasn't a lot of them. All the games were pretty much pretty competitive and close, you know. And so, to me, that's what college basketball should be about. Because college basketball is more about these kids than it is about the guys that end up in the NBA's lottery picks. Well, and so, to me, that's the beauty of it. I'm with you. And uh, the the author of the blowouts in this tournament are the Yukon Huskies. Uh, they haven't lo- uh, haven't won a game the less than 15 points, and that was against St. Mary's. But the shellacking they put on Arkansas and then Gonzaga and then even their opener uh, against Iona. I mean, yeah, I mean, they have been on fire. But, you know, I, I got a chance to see the games here in Vegas where they blasted Arkansas and Gonzaga. I mean, it was just a beatdown, OP. I mean, when you beat Gonzaga by 28 and same thing by Arkansas, I mean, it's like, wow, can anybody stop these guys? But as we know, hey, uh, when, when they, they tip the ball up on any given night, you never know what can happen here. Uh, so I'm with you, man. I, uh, I, I love it. I love, I love it. You know, I just, if you love college basketball, then you love this. But if you're one of those guys that are saying, I miss North Carolina, I miss Duke, I miss Kansas, this, that, then you're kind of a fair weather fan, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but you got to tune in to Saturday and, and see if this Florida Atlantic run can continue. You know, if San Diego State can continue, even though they're not the most eye-pleasing team to watch because, you know, they're going to keep the game in the 50s or the 60s. They're not going to shoot a high percentage. But if you appreciate basketball, like I know that you and I do, 
you see their lockdown defense and you're going, man, these team, this team does not sway from their identity. And that's what I love. Exactly. None of them did that. And that's why they're the last four standing. Everybody stayed within themselves. All the other teams tried trickery and all kinds of crap, and it didn't work, and they didn't know how to get back on track. All these four teams, they stay within who they are. And so to me, but it's a beautiful thing because UConn has, I mean, former players, Ray Allen, Campbell Walker, Rudy Gay. San Diego State has Kawhi Leonard. So it's like, you know, I mean, they have a fan base. So I definitely know those four areas are going to be tuning in. And again, it's, I go back to what my brother always said. My brother gambles on like professional sports. And he says, I will not touch college basketball because it's so erratic. <laughs> and so again, I go back. That's why I love it so much. College basketball is the best. It's, it's, it's amazing because if you don't show up only because of the fact that it's one and done, if you don't show up that night and play your best, oh, you, hundred percent losing. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. I, I I hate to bring this up, but you know, just ask Virginia, right, or ask Purdue, oh, right, please. or ask Kansas, you, right. My, my bracket was gone Thursday night. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I got Virginia losing. I got Arizona losing. It was over. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, Alabama we, losing. Huh. Alabama got lucky with Brandon Miller scoring zero points, and they thought, oh yeah, well we okay with the number one. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. It doesn't work that way in college basketball. You got it. You got it. Everybody has to step up, and you got to play your best game. Your star players have to be stars. All these teams, all they star players stepped up when they needed to. Yeah, and uh, each one of these teams got some depth, and they got guard play as well, too. Yes, so they let, have a lot of depth. They're playing 9-10 guys. Let's go. San Diego State, FAU, man. Who you got? Oh, man. I'd love to FAU run, but I think San Diego State, I, I just think that they're going to have a little bit more firepower. Yeah, and you think the defense you know? is is the difference uh, in the size that San Diego State oh, yeah. has? Yeah. The size, the defense. I I, I just like them. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think, but Florida Atlantic they've they've been surprising people. So it it might happen. But again, it goes back to what I said. If San Diego State doesn't play its A game, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's Florida Atlantic or Kansas. They will lose. It doesn't matter. You have to play your A game against Florida Atlantic to win. And Florida Atlantic will have to play its A game <laughs> to beat San Diego State. UConn and Miami. Uh, I'm torn by this one only because Laranego, you know, recruited me to yep. Virginia and he's, he's a friend and I went to Virginia because of him. So I'm, I'm rooting for him, but I just think UConn has too much, mm-hmm. you know, UConn just, I mean, they got a, a, a great big for college. Um, and the guard play is incredible. And that's what the tournament's always been about is guard play. You know, you your guards play their best basketball, you most likely going to win the national championship. And UConn's been there. They're the only team that has a national uh, championship on their resume. Right, right. It's been you a know, while. And I think that bodes well. And, I, I, you know, Hurley's done a hell of a job coaching. So, and that's the other aspect of this. It does come down to coaching. Oh, yeah. So whichever, Laranago or Hurley, can, whoever makes the most in-game adjustments, their teams will win. Hmm. 
Looking forward to it, uh, my friend. Uh, appreciate the time as always. We'll let you get back and uh, we look forward to visiting with you more here as the NBA playoffs approach us, my friend. There you go. All right. It might be time for you to make an appearance. You know, back in Sacktown, man, we might have to meet up. I know, right? Yeah. I want to go to a game. I want to go to a playoff game. It's been 17. Ooh. That's a good time to go. And there you go. <laughs> See, there it is, man. All right, Take my bro- phone calls. <laughs> okay, now I'm talking. There you go. All right, brother. Uh, have a good one. We'll talk to you soon, OP. Okay. My guy, there he is, Olden Polonese, uh, the former Sacramento King, uh, longtime veteran in the NBA, and again, great college player as well at the University of Virginia.